God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. So Jay's, uh, Jay might be leaving me. Did I tell you that already? You did tell me that. Is this podcast stuff or pre-podcast stuff? Uh, I don't know. What's not? What is pre and what's not? <sighs> well, that's true. You make an excellent point about what's real, what's not real. So Jay's out. He's working with some country guy. Well, he's trying it out this weekend, but I'm I'm just checking out this guy, Paul Cawthon, and uh, I kind of like it. It's pretty funny. <laughs> it's He's got a song called Country as Fuck, which is just like a rap song, and it's and stupid but it's at least it's funny and then the other one i'm looking at right now is called cocaine country dancing but just if you got songs like country is fucking cocaine country dancing guess how chill that bus ride is gonna be guess how chill that bus is gonna be dude i mean what are the odds that this guy is influenced by you i'm gonna guess pretty average to high i don't know where he's from is he from austin he's a texas guy dude all those texas people listen to your shit Hell yeah, they do. Anyways, it's pretty. I mean, I just like any anything that's uh, funny. He's from East Texas, so I mean, there's a lot of East Texas, but East Texas is KKK, also known as KKK country. It just says he's from East Texas. It's not telling you like doesn't say the oh Tyler. He's from Tyler, dude. That's cocaine country. Isn't that Dr. Pepper world? That's where they make different Dr. Pepper. Oh, not cocaine. KKK. That's straight KKK country, dude. I played there. I think I played there once. Man, it's step lightly. Step lightly with your your non-conservative viewpoints. Actually, the band that was playing at Zydeco in Birmingham, where you once got a disgraceful blowjob, I've now heard that story at that exact club in 2004. I went there with my friend Aaron to see a band called Isley in the crowd at the Isley show was a woman named Isabel Nunez, who I met that night and who is now my wife. Isley, the band we both went there to see who was opening for a band called Snow Patrol. No one had heard of Isley band of sisters from Tyler, Texas. So it's a little thing called consilience. We're just putting it all together. We're putting it all together. Yeah, we are. That's what human. That's what humans do. People look at the world and they're like, "How do you explain how much sense the world makes when you don't believe in gods and stuff?" And I'm like, "Because that's what we do. We make sense of shit. That's how we've made it this far. I mean, that's how Lego made it. That's exactly how Lego made it. Because Lego's like, what are we going to do with all this plastic? And they're like, well, you know what people like to do? They like to put it together. They like to make sense of chaos. And so these Scandinavian folks are like, well, let's give them something to do. Next thing you know, Lego Batman movie. How about Melissa Etheridge being like, you know what? If they're going to talk shit anyway, let's give them something to really talk about. How about love? I think that's Bonnie Raitt. That is Bonnie Raitt. Melissa Etheridge said, come to my window. (sighs) Who knows? I was watching Melissa Etheridge at the beginning of the pandemic. She was like streaming from her house because she strikes me as the type of lady who wants to be playing all the time, kind of like myself. I'm the kind of lady that likes to play all the time. (laughs) I've said that a lot uh, of times about you. I know you did. And uh, 
she was streaming from her house and uh it's interesting how was it it's uh uh yeah i don't know any of your other music except for come to my window which i like i'm not a big fan yeah but you know what am i a big fan of not much i could list a few things that you are a big fan of dyke kent i love dyke kent i, I know you love dyke kent you like peter fox love peter fox uh, we'll move out of the German region. I know that you love Tom Waits and Randy Newman. Love Tom Waits and Randy Newman. I know that you love Paul Simon. Love Paul Simon. And I know that you love Ryan Adams. <laughs> don't like Ryan Adams. I mean, I don't mind Ryan Adams. I think I think he's got some good songs. I know you like uh, Lana Del Rey. You like Chris Delia. You like Louis C.K. Those are things yeah. that I know that you like. Like all those people. Like Nate Bergazzi. I like a lot of stuff. I do like stuff that's funny. I went and saw... It wasn't an open mic, but there's a pretty famous comedy club here called Zanies that I've never been to. Right. And a friend of mine said, hey, on Monday nights, they do this thing called New Material. So it's not open mic. It's real comics, but they're kind of just trying out stuff. Sure. And he was like, it's pretty fun. Like, it's packed and it's kind of hit or miss. It's not all great, but when it's great, it's pretty cool. And uh, it was, as he said, there were some that were very good, some that was not good. Some of it felt very long, but it did. It was a good reminder of how hard it must be to do comedy. Like my friend does what a lot of funny people do, like you or me. And he was like, you know, I think I could do this. Like he's seeing it going, I think I can do this. And I'm kind of going, dude, I think it's harder than it looks. These people wrote all of this. It's a magic trick where they make you think they're just riffing. But they weren't. They were doing material. I thought I could do it before. But do you do you think that you could do it now? Well, it's similar to songwriting where... You know, you could get up and and make up a song on the spot, and you might get lucky and come up with you know ten or fifteen seconds of a good song. But the difference between coming up with a song on the spot and coming up with jokes on the spot is you can get away with a lot of really mediocre bullshit when you're writing a song. But guess what? You can't get away with not being funny. So if you're getting up there and you're just telling what you think are jokes off the top of your head, you're going to realize real quick that a lot of the shit that you say is not funny. And it's like, it's like writing a song like you, you, but not just writing a song, but writing a really, really great song, which takes years and years to write an album's worth of great songs. Right. You're not going to just sit down and write a great album in a week or a month it's going to take you years maybe and i don't think people understand that about comedy it's the same thing but it's it's not even the same thing it's so much harder because again you can get away with putting some really mediocre bullshit on your record and nobody's going to really know they're going to be like well it wasn't my favorite yeah because it's fucking sucked bitch there's something really scary about being in a comedy club because you don't know what that person's going to say. And you don't know if they're going to bomb. You don't know if they're going to be great. You kind of hope for the best. But also, as the people in the crowd, maybe you feel this way when you perform, as they get more drunk, which I was kind of watching because I wasn't really drinking much, you never know what they're going to do. Oh, yeah. So there's this weird, you feel like on the razor's edge at a comedy show. And it was like two hours of that kind of tension. It was good. It was good shit. It felt really good to be there. Well, it's like, it's like, 
when you're watching Netflix specials and you're watching comedians on there, even the worst ones are better by a thousand right degrees than than the shit that you see in an open mic or a new new material show it's it's like people who play street basketball who think they could like do one-on-one with like the shittiest player in the nba i'm like dude that guy the shittiest 400th player in the nba would beat your ass at basketball yeah like really quickly it's just a whole different deal yeah dude there's nothing harder than comedy no now if you're willing to fucking get up there and risk dying and bombing which you're gonna do (laughs) and willing to put in the hard hard work like years of hard work to get a set together man more power to you one guy did get up and he kind of was bombing but what i really liked about him is you could really see that he had he was extremely unfazed by it like it wasn't his first bomb and he did not give a fuck and he kind of just kept doing his thing. You could tell he was just trying to learn like what's working, what's not working. It was like a new material night. <laughs> there was a guy up front that was kind of heckling him. And you could see him kind of break out of his thing. First of all, unfazed. You know, he's a fucking comedian, dude. And he's from New York. He's like a New York comedian. An unfamous New York comedian. That dude has seen a lot of shitty underground comedy club nights. And he goes, it's okay, sir. He's like, no, go on. Continue talking. It's just my fucking dream. that's pretty good he's like this is just my fucking dream it's cool it's fun watching how they would interact with people that get too drunk that definitely happened a lot now again that guy like you said he's been in a bunch of clubs do you think he made that up or do you think he stole that from somebody the dream yeah i i think there's a pretty intense code in the comedy world of like really not trying to poach jokes but that's definitely he didn't invent that joke it's it's a joke I've made a million times to my buddies on tour buses. It's no big deal. It's just my dream. We've made jokes about our dreams being shattered. That's all. It's that joke, you know? It would be so hard to not steal stuff from people, like even inadvertently, or even yeah. just steal somebody's style. Yeah. I mean, I do it when I, if I listen to Chris D'Elia a bunch and then I get on stage, I'm like talking like Chris D'Elia. Yeah, you're kind of trying it on. That's what I do. You know, I'll, if I'm listening to Stone Table Pilots a lot, which I am now, because I I make myself write songs all the time. I I sit down and write songs a lot. They'll start sounding like what I'm listening to, just because I'm I'll be fascinated by an artist and I'll want to figure out how they did that. And my way of figuring out how they did what I admire is to just try to do it. I've always learned that way. What do you think those two brothers from STP are doing now? They're in the they're in Stone Table Pilots currently. They're two of my favorite musicians. Oh, so Stone Temple Pilot still exists. So, yeah. So Scott started to get real weird, and they they had a weird time where they got the guy from Lincoln Park who who has also passed away, Chester Bennington, who you and I met one time because someone told us they wanted to meet you, and then when we met them, they didn't know who we were. Right. Remember Dude. we met that guy. Oh, that was so uncomfortable. So that guy was the lead singer for like a couple of tours because I guess he was a big fan of those songs. And those songs, you know, demand to be heard. Those are some great songs. They shouldn't be beholden to this junkie, this sad junkie. So anyway, Chester went on to keep doing Linkin Park. Then they got Scott back. Then Scott died. Now they have a no-name guy who just, they found him, kind of like the, you know, the movie rock star. And he looks kind of like Scott, which is kind of weird, but he sounds great. He moves great. He's a rock star. 
And so now they're just touring and no one cares that it's not Scott because the songs are bigger than the songs are even bigger than the band almost. So they just did a tour of Australia and the bass player, Robert, who I love, underrated bass player, great songwriter. He just posted videos of like all their hits, you know, on that tour. Plush, interstate love song, sex type thing, Wicked Garden. Flies in the Vaseline. Vaseline. One of my favorites. One of my favorite songs. And it's great. Dude, I kind of hated that band because their lyrics are dumb. But I saw them live. Just somebody dragged me to see them live in Austin years ago when Scott Whalen, before he was not in the band. Right. And he was still in the band and he was still like super skinny. Yeah. They were one of the best. It was one of the best live music experiences of my life. Like they blew me away so fucking hard. Those songs I love hearing are that. meant to be heard. Yeah. Fucking author and punisher style. Like as loud as you can fucking do them through the biggest PA in the world. When you hear those songs that way, if you don't fucking like it, seriously, GFY. And you know what's cool about it, just from a technical standpoint, is how massive they sound, like what you're describing. One guitar player. Guitar, bass, drummer, singer who doesn't play anything. No tracks, no bullshit. Here's what he did, though. Here's what he did. Sunglasses. Yeah. He weighed, I don't know how tall he was, probably six foot, I imagine. He probably weighed about 110 pounds at six foot tall. He's the skinniest person I've ever seen dressed in straight up some kind of a rock star tight thing <laughs> with these giant fly glasses, like, you know, the bug, the fly bug. Yeah, the, bono, the Bonos. Bonos from the night. This is in the 90s. Mm hmm. And he was moving like he was a fucking alien, dude. He was like, he he looked, he was moving like he was about to go under one of those, what's that thing when you do the limbo and you're, you go under the stick? He was moving like there was a stick on stage and he was having to go <laughs> under it, but there wasn't. And he was just moving that way and singing. And I was like, fuck lyrics. Yeah. Fuck lyrics. Cause this shit, it was. When they would go into those songs, dude, they were moving so much fucking air. Yeah. Lyrics don't matter, dude. They just don't. Well, they do to me all always and all the time. And that was a time where I was like, okay, fuck lyrics. Yeah. Because here's what I am. I'm a face guy. I'm a face guy. You're a boob guy. I'm a face guy. <laughs> Let's just call it what it is. Why are we bringing that up? Because here's why. Because I'm a face guy. And guess what? SDP, they're not, they got no, there's not a, that's not a pretty face. But that body, booming, baby. But you're a face guy. I don't understand. <laughs> I'm a face guy. I don't understand what you're saying. What I'm saying is normally I'm a face guy, but that body was banging. Gotcha. Gotcha. When it came to SDP, I I guess I wonder if it's because I'm a child of the 90s and I was raised on STP. Like it, for me to open up a lyric book and read the lyrics to Dead and Bloated or Sex Type Thing, I guess I just never was primed to think of like I grew up on Soundgarden and STP and Smashing Pumpkins and Pearl Jam and the lyrics are very strange and they they don't they're not like um they're not like Tom Waits or Bob Dylan, but even Bob Dylan's lyrics are stranger than people realize. 
Well, when you're dude, like you know who writes really good lyrics, that, and it's honestly, it's a guy that I respect, but I do not listen to his records ever. And this is going to surprise some people. Jason Isbell writes great lyrics. He writes lyrics that are about important things, and he crystallizes them in this beautiful poetry that's as pretty on a page as it is being sung. I'd never listen to it. I'd rather listen to Bush or the Red Hot Chili Peppers, who have some of the worst lyrics on paper ever. I'm with you. I'm I'm not a fan. I I, I agree with you about Jason Isbell. He's a great writer. Yeah. The same way Bruce Springsteen's a great writer. Like he writes great lyrics. I find both of those songwriters, for me personally, kind of boring because there's no humor and they're very earnest. Which there's actually more humor in the Jason Isbell stuff, but it's not. I don't know. There's something about it still that's that doesn't quite speak to me. Mm-hmm. Whereas Bruce Springsteen, there's no humor. At no, all. it's just pure earnestness. Yeah. And uh, but I find both of them kind of a little bit boring. Whereas Paul Simon, like, writes the most beautiful lyrics. But then every once in a while, he'll put in some just straight up humor. In those well, lyrics. he's got an acerbic, sardonic thing that Bruce Bruce yes. never did that. Now, Bruce will right. write Adam Raised a Cane and Darkness on the Edge of Town, and he'll write the song about the serial killers, whatever track one in Nebraska is. But you're right. There's no twinkle in his eye about it, and that's exhausting. Paul Simon, you know, I, what's the song where he says, uh, he says, all that winter we shared a cold, drank all the orange juice that we could hold. I do it for your love. He's talking about buying a rug. That's on, It's not still crazy after all these years. Like he, yeah, he, he had a lot of humor. How about the song where he's talking to his kids and he's, they're looking at a picture of, of mom and dad. And he says, that was your mom and dad before you were born in life was great. You're the burden of my generation. I love you, but let's get that straight. That's, that's that fucking magic of Paul Simon. Dude, I can call you Betty. Betty, you can call me. He's got a song called you can call me Al. He he calls her a roly poly little bat face girl. That shit is great. (laughs) I got a short little span of attention. Yeah. Where he's talking about his dick. Dude, I'm telling you, <laughs> Paul Simon is the greatest lyricist of all. He time. really and, is amazing. But but not only is he the greatest lyricist, but then his songs are incredible too. Yeah. And I was just listening to Bridge Over Trouble Waters, which obviously is a Simon and Garfunkel record. And I was just like, man, this motherfucker, he's a good singer, but he realized as good of a singer as he is, he needed he needed Art, art. Funkel yeah. to fucking knock it out of the park. And Art, Dude, and art couldn't write a song. Over, that bridge over Trouble Waters, the vocal on that is so... That song is fucking one of the greatest songs ever written. Undeniable. It, the ending of it is fucking crazy. How about the sound of silence? I mean, don't get me started. It's just a never-ending fucking goldmine of fucking the greatest songs ever written so so what is it about tom waits because you you're way more into it than me i i actually like a later album called mule variations a lot song called take it with you when i go big in japan it's kind of more modern sounding it's a better sounding record but i know his his 70s shit like the heart of saturday night and closing time is that one of them i don't really like any of the 70s stuff for me tom waits came into his own Right around Foreign Affairs, which is pretty good. Um, but his Swordfish Trombones, Rain Dogs, and Frank's Wild Years, which came back to back in the mid in the mid eighties, are his masterpieces. 
And I think it's when he married his wife or when he got together with Kathleen Brennan. And she really was the one that said, hey, look, quit doing this bullshit loungy shit that you've been doing. Like he was doing all that loungy three piece sitting at the piano, you know, Frank's diner bullshit that a lot of people were doing. You hear that all over the place from the from New York, from where he was. And, and, she, and she was like, hey, let's fucking get arty as fuck. And that's what happened on swordfish trombones that's almost unlistenable i don't mean that in a bad way i just mean it's like it's like zappa stuff's a little bit where you have to be in the right place for it and then when you're ready for it it's kind of amazing that someone wrote that and made it it's a piece of art for sure i loved swordfish trombones when i heard it i think i heard that after rain dogs so rain dogs was the first record i heard then i heard swordfish trombones and then i was a full-fledged fan and frank's wild years came out and i was like what is this bullshit when it came out because it was so he just kept going and going kind of into the darkness with his sound and and the meat and the type of instruments he was playing and like pump organs and old hurdy gurdies and fucked up shit so when that came out, I was like, what is this shit? The first time I listened to it, I kind of hated it. Yeah. Kind of the way I felt like when I, when I went and saw Blue Velvet in the theater, I was like, did I like that movie? I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah. You, I liked it. you just have like a visceral reaction to it and it sits with you. You got to think about it. And then, and then after a few listens, I was like, oh, yeah, this belongs in that kind of trifecta of pure genius the guy for me who perfectly crystallizes humor and like it's weird this guy i'm about to say he'll do this thing where it's kind of a funny thing and it's it sounds even kind of funny but man did you peel back one layer and it's like some of the deeper shit i'm talking about randy newman where he does this weird bait and switch where he'll have you laughing and kind of crying in the same album within one or two songs, you know? Yeah. He's, he's always in character. Like he's, he's, he's such a strange artist. He's truly one of my favorites as well. And I kind of got turned on him with his greatest hits. Like I, that was the first thing that I got was his greatest hits. The one where it's him just at a piano with, a, with an orchestra or, or one with like all of his album cuts. It's all his like greatest hits and it's called like 30 years of retrospective or what hits or something like that and it's basically just he just compiled what he he where he basically compiled his favorite songs some of it was soundtrack work that he had done right you've got a friend and no no this is before that this is before toy story oh okay this came out in the 90s gotcha and uh and that was the first thing i heard and had like in germany before the war and and it yeah. was just like this sort of primer on on him as a songwriter. <laughs> it's funny. And then I went and and bought all of his records. It's funny that he put in Germany before the war on like what he thought were his greatest hits or whatever. He only really had one hit, which was Short People. Short People, yeah. Um, you mean before the Toy Story stuff? And what's crazy about Short Story for me was I had no idea that that was a song about bigotry. I just short thought it, I just thought he didn't like short people, and I still thought it was kind of funny. That's what he said when he got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Or that's what Don Henley said. Don Henley introduced him because Don Henley, the Eagles would like sing BGVs for him in the early oh, yeah. tr- early Troubadour days. Yeah, yeah. The On li- short people, they're, the that's Eagles them. are singing the background vocals. And he's like, you know, he's like, he's talking about the deep meaning of short people and how he kind of figured out that, oh, it's really a criticism about, yeah, about, about bigotry and about prejudgment. And he's like, so I went to Randy and I was like, hey, so short people, that's like about... You know, 
Isn't that song about just like how you really shouldn't have preconceived notions about people and you, everyone should be treated equally? He said Randy Newman like was eating like soup and looked up at him and said, Don, uh, the song's about short people. <laughs> no, never cracked a smile, then went back to just eating soup, you know? Because Randy Newman is so fucking funny, dude. And that's what I love about. That's what I love about his music. Like he uses humor in his music, which is such a hard thing to do because there's a difference between like that Paul Cawthon country as fuck or cocaine country dancing. It's almost parody like Wheeler Walker it's, Jr. It's stuff. kind of parody and it's kind of silly and it's a joke that kind of gets old. And that's the reason I don't put like, I have lots of joke songs. I don't ever put them on the record because like you've heard them a few times. You don't want to hear them again. We put I ready. Mean, Let's roll on King Kong. Yeah. But ready. Let's roll is not a joke song. Right. It's, how would you describe what that song is? Uh, I think it's a, it's sort of like an action adventure. Yeah, right. Song. I mean, a bunch of stuff happens in it. I mean, there's a line. There's that. There's the period line. The period line in the middle, but which is kind of a punchline. Which is kind of a punchline. I was really reluctant to put it on the record, but the reason I put it on the record is I, I really wanted to put all the songs I was playing live, and I was going to continue to play that song live. I was like, I want this record to represent the songs that I'm doing live. But again, I mean, I had songs. There are other songs that I've just never put on a record. Like, um, you know, like uh, Ass Knocker or oh, right, right. Uh, Keep That Stiffy Rolling or Flavors Too Strong. Flavors Too Strong or... Like, don't give up that sweet booty. <laughs> yeah, I love that one. I've got a lot of song. I'm not a lot, but I've got a few songs, you know, that are like that. That I just, I'm like, ah. But maybe I'll. It's weird. Just the other day, I was thinking, man, maybe I'll put out a record because I've been wanting to put out a record called Super Shit for a while. That's kind of like joke songs or songs that have a lot of profanity in them. Mm -hmm. I just put them all on one record. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, that might be fun as a, sort of a novelty record. Yeah. It is so hard. It might happen. It, it's hard to be funny in, in music. Randy Newman does a great job. But I think the, I think the flaming lips kind of do it. Flaming lips. Yeah. Okay. Although the, their most famous song, I feel like is philosophically really deep when he, when he says, do you realize happiness makes you cry? Everyone, yeah. you know, one day will die. And instead of saying all of our goodbyes, let them know you realize life goes fast. It's hard to make the good things last. You realize the sun doesn't go down. It's just an illusion caused by the world spinning round. That's fucking amazing lyrics, dude. Yeah. But if you look at the, like, if you look at the music that's underneath it, it's so like whimsical mm -hmm. and, and lighthearted. Yeah. And, and, and like, using this like crazy slap reverb on everything and so like when i say stuff's like whimsical or silly or whatever sometimes just the music yeah. can do it like right. when you juxtapose something really serious like that idea that we're all gonna die and everybody knows gonna die but then underneath it is this sort of one, two, three, four, like somebody skipping through a fucking jumpy castle yeah. to open up that song yeah I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like you just that you wouldn't ever hear a weird 
one, two, three, countdown on a fucking Bruce Springsteen song. <laughs> it's like, one, two, three, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's all serious. And I, and I don't think you would find it on Jason Isbell either. And I I don't know why I'm I'm talking shit about Jason because I've heard him interviewed and I, I think he's really smart and I think he's really funny. Mm-hmm. He just, he's not really interested in doing a lot of that in his songwriting. Now, maybe there's a bunch of songs. It's not like I've listened to everything he's written. Maybe there's a bunch of stuff that he's written that's kind of lighthearted or has some sarcasm or cleverness to it that I'm missing or something. Well, there's definitely a lot of clever stuff. Every time someone has like been like, hey, will you listen to this Jason Isbell song? We have a mutual friend. My friend Derek's a huge fan, and you know he'll play it for me, and I get it. I, there's just almost nothing I could even say about it that's critical. Right, but it doesn't I feel the same way. But it doesn't. I have never left one of those times hanging with my friends who are turning me on to stuff the way I turn my friends on to things. I've never walked away from that wanting to get a record. Whereas you'll play me in Germany before the war, and on a tour bus somewhere in fucking Phoenix, and by the end of that tour, I have four Randy Newman records that I've listened to nonstop since I heard that one song. Like sometimes you hear a thing, like maybe the first time you heard, well, dude. You had that reaction when you heard Author and Punisher. Something about that was like, this is great. Or the first time you heard Daikin, you were like, what is this shit? I'm getting all this shit. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, with Daikin, I actually listened to a bunch of it and I've listened to it a lot since. With Author and Punisher, I'm not spending any time listening to Author and Punisher, but the experience of going, of being there and being in the arena when that was happening was visceral and scary and wonderful and kind of crazy but i can tell for you that even if you never investigated his records which are just kind of hard to listen to that experience made it into this echelon for you where you're probably going to talk about that guy as an artist anytime conversations like this arise when you're like who's doing something that you've never heard before that's interesting you're probably going to think about that guy in that tier for a while it's it's interesting because a, a friend of mine our friend of yours, uh, Dave Monzi, mm-hmm. sent me uh, some stuff by this guy, History of the Entire World. I think his name is Bill Wirtz. Have you heard of that guy? No. So he sent me this thing. It's got 141 million views. And it's sort of the history of everything. But he he's narrating it. But then in be- while he's narrating, he also like uses music. And then he also puts out these music videos. And they're amazing. They're so incredibly clever. But I don't think I'm ever going to, like, I wouldn't put this on and listen to it while I was making art hmm. or at the pool or something. Right. You know, and it, it made me wonder, like, okay, well, there's that stuff that's really clever and interesting. And then there's just music that you put, like, I'm going to put on, you know, play paul simon radio right that's what i'm putting on if i just want to chill out right because it's a bunch of music that was written most of it was written before i even started playing music or was doing it as for a living and i can just relax to it you know what i mean there's that music whatever that is yeah i have the same thing we put on we play miles davis kind of blue for dinner almost every night or we'll put on like the ventures which is like 50s and 60s really inoffensive surf rock yeah, instrumental, but it's like songs you know. It's like twist right. and shout and shit. 
And and the Ventures were great, just a great band, rock and roll band. But you can put it at low volume, hang out with your family. You're not screened out. Or we'll put on like Lee Scratch Perry. You ever listen to that like dub shit? Like, yeah, love it. That's great for just in a, like I'm not putting on Lee Scratch Perry necessarily with headphones to like get inside the way you would swordfish trombones. Or if somebody's coming over and you're hanging out and you're having a conversation, I'm putting in Willie Nelson radio. A hundred percent. That's yeah. in the background. And everybody likes it. Everyone I don't care likes who it. you are. Yeah. You're going to like Willie if Nelson. If you don't like it, you're kind of an asshole. Well, he's not cussing. He, it's kind of country, but it's also kind of pop. It's kind of rock. And he's got it's a beautiful of, singing voice. It's kind of everything. Yeah. Well, this has been a fun episode. Everything that we recommended, I can tell our audience this clearly. Now, I'm sure many of you out there are astute art consumers, and you know many of the records and artists that we've mentioned. However, for those of you who've sort of heard all of this with a thousand-yard stare, you need to go check out at literally everything we mentioned. Go buy those records. Go spend some time with them. You'll you'll thank us later because we're the thanks daddies. Yeah. I mean, you really will, at the end of it, go, okay, I get it now. I was wondering why they were called thanks daddies, but now... Thanks, daddies. And we're going to scoot our little thanks, daddies asses over into the Secret Weekly. If you want to join us in the Secret Weekly every week, then you can check out Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash the letters I-O-K, where you get access to all the secret things that we can't say on the regular episode. You can support our other podcasts. You know where they are. You know what the deal is. And uh, we'll see you on the flip-flop. Peace. Peace. (laughs) 